Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing this morning? I'm doing good. I hope you're doing good. I saw a lot of you look like you're doing good, unless you're, you're, you're putting on that Sunday face. But I don't think we are. I'm so glad to see you. I really, really am. And we want to be God's bridge to you this morning. We really do. If you're a guest, that's, that, that's kind of what we're all about. We want to be God's bridge to all people, a span across the gap of where they are right now to where God created them to be. And so this morning, we want to be your bridge. In doing so, we're going to look at a passage from John chapter 5. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you to open it to John, the fourth manuscript of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to look at a question that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago, but yet he's still asking again today. And that question is, do you want to get well? Let's look at the passage together as we look at John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of dis disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. So it said sometime later, and what the Bible's talking about right before this is when Jesus had that encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. And also, right after that, he went into Galilee, and he healed the son of a high official in Galilee. And so that's where it says sometime later, a little while later, we don't know exact. Jesus now goes up to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. Jesus and his disciples often did that. The Jews had many feasts that were celebrated in Jerusalem, uh, and this was one of those times. And so, so he goes up, and it, and it says that near Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, is a pool. It's a lot of disabled people used to gather around that pool. Now, let me tell you why. As Jewish uh, legend goes, or as Jewish story goes, and we have to believe there's something to it because people did lay around there for a long time, was that periodically... God would send down an angel to this pool by the sheep gate, and the angel would stir the waters. And the first person who would get into the pool when the waters were stirred was healed of what infirmity they had. And so that's why lots of people used to just lie around. They used to stay around this pool in hopes that they would be that person who was fortunate enough to be the first person in that pool of water when the angel of God stirred the water. So Jesus comes on this scene, and you can picture it with me. There's five colonnades, and this is right near the temple in Jerusalem, and, and he's coming up, and, and he sees all these infirm people lying around. Some are blind, and some are lame, and some are even paralyzed. And so he, he, he's walking around all these people, and in my mind, I, I, I see so many that he's kind of like stepping over people until he reaches one person in particular. And it says in John 5, beginning in verse 4, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him the question that we're talking about today. Do you want to get well? So Jesus is coming along and all these people are here. And he comes across one man who's been an invalid for 38 years. And it says when Jesus learned that he'd been there for a long time. Now, I don't know if he'd been there for the whole 38 years hanging around that pool, but we get the idea he, he was one of the veterans. He was one of them that had been around a long time. Well, Jesus comes up to him, and he asks him a question that almost seems ridiculous. 
Can you imagine going up to a guy who's been an invalid for 38 years, laying around this pool, hoping that somehow good fortune, providence will fall on him, and he can get in that pool one day and be one of the first people healed. And Jesus says, hey, do you want to get well? I mean, it's almost a ridiculous question. You know, what do we expect? The guy said, you know, just lay down. No, I think I'll just stay here. Thank you. But, but really, when you think about it, there's a lot of soundness in the question. And the question is a legitimate question. Because in this guy's state, although comparatively speaking, for those who are in a healthier state of life, it's a ridiculous question. Of course he wants to get well. Well, maybe not. 38 years he'd been an invalid. And so he had adjusted in life, emotionally, physically, relationally, vocationally. He had adjusted to those circumstances that made him an invalid. And from a healthy, healthier standpoint, one might say, of course he wants to get well, but maybe not. See, because to get well is a really significant transition in that man's life. He's never had a job. How's he going to go out and get a job? This is his life. This is what he knows. And so when Jesus asks the question, do you want to get well, it's not as far-fetched a question as we might first anticipate. The man really has to make a decision. Do you want to remain as you are? And whatever quality of life you're functioning, it's your quality of life. It's what you know. It's, it's, it's your standard of living. You're alive. You, you, you have companionship. You have hope. You have faith. Or do you want to get well? Now, the man's initial response lends credence to the idea that this is a legitimate question. Because the man responds to Jesus in verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. In fact, he doesn't answer the question, does he? Jesus said a very simple question. It was a closed-ended question. Yes or no? Do you want to get well? And instead of answering the question, the man provides Jesus an excuse. He says, you, you, you don't understand. When I see the water troubled and, and I'm trying to get into the water, so, someone, someone gets there before me. I, I, I can't get there. Others are preventing me from getting well. Now, you, you, you might think I'm being a little hard on the guy. But, but remember the three categories of people that the scripture talked about. One was the invalid, that's him. The lame. Another group was the blind. You, you, you talk about challenge. How would they even see, how would they even sense the water was stirred? And then the paralyzed. Those who had no mobility at all outside the favor of others who might come and help them move and help them eat and 
help them with whatever human need they had at the time. This guy, he says, while I'm going, he had the best shot of them all. He at least had mobility. He had the ability to get in the pool. Now, you know, if I really believed that this was happening back in that day, I'd been laying right at the side of that pool. And the moment I saw that water go, boom, I'm in. I'm not crawling from anywhere. And so he, he makes an excuse. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. You know, at this point, Jesus could have just gone, there were hundreds of people there Jesus could have healed. You're not serious. And Jesus could have walked away. I wonder how many of us would have done that. But Jesus doesn't do that. What's Jesus do? Verse 8, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus says, man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Put yourself lying on the ground around that pool 2,000 years ago. You can't walk. You're an invalid. And all of a sudden, some guy comes that he doesn't even know because he didn't say, Jesus, master, rabbi. He said, sir. He had no idea who Jesus was. As far as he knew, it was just some guy walking through, maybe going on the way to the temple, and he's taking a shortcut through the sheep gate pool. And he says, sir. See, Jesus didn't give up on him. Jesus didn't allow his excuse. Jesus didn't allow his ignorance to get in the way of what he was intending to do for that person that day. But the man at this point comes to a critical crossroad in his life. Will he try to get up? Will he even make the effort? Or or will he just say, say... what, are you crazy? I've been here 38 years. I haven't been able to move in 38 years. I, who are you? But what Scripture said, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. This guy sensed that this was a unique moment in his life. He didn't know about Jesus, apparently. He he, he didn't know about theology and all that. But there was something in Jesus' presence that was convincing enough. This man understood that he had an opportunity right before him to radically change his existence. And so, got up. And I'm sure to his absolute amazement, and I don't even think we could find words to describe it, that he had strength in his body. He got up at once. And you, know, you know what I love about when, when we see Jesus doing miracles? You know, in the movies, they, they always have people doing what? You know, they always have people like, you know, like a little colt just born, you know, standing and their legs are trembling and all that. And they try to take the first, man, this is at once. What I love about Jesus, when Jesus heals, Jesus heals. So he picked up his mat, and he walked. His life was changed forever and ever and ever as far as his human life went on. Now, let me ask you the same question today. Jesus is asking me this question. Jesus is asking you this question. 
do you want to get well? What are you suffering from today? Now, maybe it's a physical illness. And I, I, I wish I had the divine powers that were afforded the original apostles to, to heal. If I did, I, I'd be hanging out down Joe DiMaggio Hospital and for kids and stuff. And I, I wish I had that. But even when we have circumstances that we can't be physically cured from, Jesus might still answer us the question. Well, do you want to get well emotionally? Do, do you want to get well spiritually in the midst of your circumstances? Others might ask a question to a couple whose marriage is really not good. He might say to that couple, do you want to get well? He might ask that question to someone who is struggling with some kind of addictive behavior, maybe alcoholism, drug abuse, pornography. And he might look at and say, Jesus, come across you, and you're, you're kind of an invalid in your own rights. And, and he says, Listen, do you want to get well? Maybe it's vocationally. You're in a dead end and you're just so unhappy and, and you hate your job and, and, and you hate everybody and you hate... Jesus said, do you want to get well? Maybe you struggle with a, with a, a flashing temper. And, and in your life and around you is a carnage of, of people that, that you've exploded on. And you know it. Jesus says, listen, do you want to get well? Maybe it's grief. You've had a significant loss in your life. And the grieving process is perfectly normal unless it's overextended. Do you want to get well? Well, from this short little story, in John chapter 5, we can learn some important lessons about responding to God's question, do you want to get well? The first being, you've got to make up your mind. You've got to make up your mind. Jesus said to the guy, do you want to get well? And Jesus says that to me in, in the areas that, that, that are challenges to me. And Jesus says that to you this morning in the areas that are challenging you. Do you want to get well? Do you really want to get well? And it's a legitimate question. Because just as this man could have remained in that physical state that he had lived and become accustomed to and was actually comfortable with for 38 years, many of us have grown comfortable in dysfunctional marriages. Many of us have grown comfortable just going to a job every day, every day that we hate and we hate it, we hate it and hate it. Many of us have grown comfortable just in our grief because we feel like somehow that's proving our love to, to our loved one who's passed on. Some of us, whatever it is, but you know that it's not healthy for you. And you sense that, and you realize that, and you struggle with it, and you don't want to live and lie around that pool anymore. 
Well, at some point, we got to make up our mind and say, you know what? No more. I'm not staying around this pool anymore. I, I, I sense that there is an opportunity before me. And I'm not going to waste that opportunity. I'm not going to neglect that opportunity. I'm going to make up my mind right now. So what happens if you do that? You got to stop waiting on others. See, what did he say? His, his initial response was, oh, I can't get it because other people get my way. I try to get down there and someone blocks me out and they get there first. Someone does this, someone does that, someone does that. See, and we do the same thing. We, we, we have that, that marriage that's in trouble. And we'll say, well, when my spouse shows me any indication that she or that he is willing to, to start working on this, then maybe I'll think about working on it. Well, why can't you start working on it? And maybe that might inspire your spouse to start working on it. Why, why, why can't you be forgiving? And why can't you try to be more loving? And why can't you try to re-engage? And why can't you? And, and, and maybe God can use that to give some hope to your spouse who maybe have given up the fact that you even care about your relationship. Maybe you say, well, I'd look for a new job, but I know I wouldn't get anywhere because of those people over there, they, they keep me down, and I, there's a promotion coming up, and I'm not going to apply for it because they're not going to give it to me. We, we talk ourselves into this negativism, and we start blaming other people well, I, I'd give up drinking, but it's the only thing that keeps me sane because that witch of a woman that I live with. Or, oh, you know, the kids, they just drive me crazy, and that's why I do this. And Oh, it's that person. It's, oh, you don't know how my dad treated me. Oh, you don't know the family I came from. Oh, you don't know. And over and over again, what do we do? We're blaming other people for our current circumstances, and there may be legitimacy to that because we know that abusive upbringings. We know that emotional abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse, we know that has very serious consequences for people who have lived those experiences. So I'm not saying that what you may have felt, what you may be feeling is not legitimate. What I'm saying is, do you really want to stay around that pool? Is that where you want to live the rest of your life? Or do you want to get well? Well, you got to make up your mind. And you got to stop waiting other people to come around or to help you or to do what you, you just need to, what? You need to get up and get moving. You need to do something different. We use it around here a lot, and I know you've heard it many, many times before, and it's not original with us. The definition of insanity. What's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing the same way, expecting different results. It's not going to happen. If we're going to get well, we've got to do something different because what we've been doing hasn't working because we're still lying around the pool of grief, the pool of addiction, the pool of a broken relationship, the pool of whatever it is. So we got to get up and get moving. That guy got up. He made the effort to get up on those legs that had not supported him in 38 years. He took action. 
He didn't just to continue to lie around and, and, and offer another excuse when Jesus came back and said, get up. Well, how am I going to get up? Come on, look at this. Look at these legs. Come here, feel these legs. There's no muscles. He, didn't, he just said, all right, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to break out of this dysfunctional challenge that I've had for 38 years. And when he started to get moving, when he started to do something different, lo and behold, God gave him, Jesus gave him the power to overcome his infirmity. See, that's what some of us need to do today. We need to make up our mind. We need to stop blaming everyone in our lives around us, either in our past or in our present. And we, we, we need to say, okay, I got to start doing something about my situation. I need to go to counseling or I, I need to do whatever. I, I, I need to make a resume. I need to start networking and seeing what other kind of job opportunities might be out there for me. I, I need to, 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 to go get a book on having a better marriage and read the book and start working on it myself. I, I, I need to, whatever it is. See, we got to get up. We got to get moving. We can't allow ourselves to stay lying around the pool of affliction. Now, when that happens, expect resistance. Here's one of the amazing things about this story. Jesus comes along, man, knows that there's an amazing divine opportunity, makes up his mind, he quits blaming the others, he trusts God, and he gets up and he gets, gets moving. And then look what happens. Verse 9 and 10. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. <laughs> That's, can you believe these religious, pious gas bags? I mean, really. I mean, this guy has been an invalid for 38 years. He's been divinely cured. He's standing for the first time in 38 years. He's walking for the first time in 38 years. He's healthy for the first time in 38 years. He has hope. He has a whole new future. And the religious gas bag say, do you know what day this is? This is the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to be standing up like that. They resisted the miracle God had created in this man's life. And listen, if you make up your mind that you're not going to lay around a pool, whatever it is that you're lying around today, and, and you just say, okay, I'm going to stop blaming others because that's not going to do any good. That's not going to change anything because I can't change others. The only person I can impact is me. And so I'm going to get up. I'm going to start doing something about what I am struggling with here. You can expect resistance because there's people that don't want you to get well. There's those drinking buddies and drug buddies. They don't want you to get well. They want you to keep partying with them. There's those people that you've been complaining about your rotten marriage to, and, and they've been complaining, complaining about their rotten marriage, and you got, you got a rotten marriage club going. And they don't want you to leave the club because misery enjoys company. See, you, you, you got the grief club going, and, 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 and you're hooked up with people who, who, who just can't move on and won't move on, want to stay around the pool of grief. 
And when you, you, you get up and you start taking a step in the other direction, see, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever dysfunction, whatever challenge it is, your getting up and getting moving is reminding them that they're not. And so they're going to resist it. Some of it's control issues. They know that in your infirmity, they can control you. And so they don't want you to get well because they want to maintain that control. It might be jealousy. They see you starting to get better and they're not getting better. They get jealous of you because you're better than I am and, and you're getting over this thing and I'm not. It can be jealousy. It can be just downright human meanness. So when you make up your mind, and you stop blaming other people in your life that you can't change. And when you get up and you start doing something about your circumstances, you can expect that people are going to resist that. You might be surprised by that. You, you, you think, wow, they're going to say, wow, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. And that may happen from some people. I hope it will. I hope God will send in people in your life to encourage you, and I believe he will. But there's going to be another group that go, oh, really? Oh, there you go again. How long will this one last? Oh, that pie in the sky stuff. Oh, there you go. And see, there'll be these wet blankets in your life that will try to keep you from getting well. So, what do we do? Tap into Christ's power. Tap into Christ's power. That's what ultimately this guy did. He sensed that there was a presence that was able to change his circumstances, to change his life. And he didn't know everything about it, and Jesus was still in his human body, and he hadn't even gone to the cross yet. This wasn't the resurrected Jesus. But he tapped into Christ's power. Look what Jesus says. And Jesus talks to the guy later on, after the religious gas bags start questioning him because he's carrying his mat on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says to him in verse 16 and 17. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him too. The healer as well as the healee. Jesus said to them, I love this. My father is always at his work to this very day. And I too. Oh, what a, what a declaration of hope that should be to all of us. What did Jesus say? My father is is always at his work to this very day. And I too. What's his work? The Father's work is to redeem mankind. The Father's work is to bring eternal forgiveness into the life of every man, every woman, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And God is always, 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 always trying to do that in every person's life who has not yet trusted Christ as his or her Savior. And that might be you today. It might be you. God is at work in your eternal life trying to draw you to Jesus Christ so that you can have eternal forgiveness of your sins and so that you can have not just the hope of going to heaven someday, but the promise of going to heaven someday. And he'll never stop working at trying to draw you to himself. Most of us here have already trusted Jesus Christ. So what's God's work in our life? God's work in our life is to mature us. And sometimes that means bringing sorrow into our life. Because 2 Corinthians says that, that, that God will 
use the sorrow that, that and get the comfort that he gives us in our sorrow so that we can comfort others in any sorrow. In other words, God will allow the body of Christ to be lying around the pool for a while only so you know what lying around the pool is like and you know that God can get you up from lying around the pool. And so later on when you come across the pool, your pool of Bethesda and somebody's lying down there, you can say, hey, you want to get well? I know a guy who can make you well. His name is Jesus Christ. I know somebody who can make your marriage strong. I know somebody who, who can help you over that grief. I know somebody who can give you hope. I know somebody who can give you direction. I know Jesus, because, and I know it works because I was laying around the pool myself one day, and Jesus came along and said, do you want to get well? See, you can do it. Because God is always at work in your life. What happens especially when we're dealing with dysfunctions that we bring upon ourselves sometimes and dysfunctions that are sinful. How do we respond to that in our relationship to God? Well, normally we conclude that God is so angry with us and so disappointed and so frustrated in us that God doesn't want anything to do with us anymore and that God has removed himself from our life. Not true at all. What did Jesus say? My Father is always at his work. And what is his work? Redeeming, forgiving, loving, restoring, reconciling. He never stops doing that. And now that Jesus is with the Father, sitting at his right hand, Jesus is, and me too. So we got, we, we got actually three people working for us. We got God the Father who's always at the work of comforting us, restoring us, reconciling with us, helping us to grow. We got Jesus who's sitting at the right hand mediating for us, Scripture says, saying, now God, now, now, now let me help you with this. And like, hey, this, is, this is someone, this is so-and-so. And then we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us that we talked about last week. We have the trifecta. Do you want to get well? Tap into Christ's power. How do we do that? We read our scriptures. We read our Bibles. Because our Bibles have such power to convict us. And sometimes that's the, that's the way we're going to get up on our feet again is through conviction and, and realize that, listen, what I'm doing is not right. I've got to make this change because this just isn't right. Sometimes it's hope and we read the scriptures and, and we, we see how other people in the scriptures have, have had so many different life challenges and yet they have been able to get up from that pool of challenge and be well again through the power of God in their life. And we read those and we say, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. We look at people of David who committed adultery and murder. And we look and say, if God could love him and God could say after he created uh, adultery and after he, he murdered, if God could say of him, this is David, a man whose heart is after me, then God can say the same thing to me in my dysfunction, in my sinfulness. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Scripture, prayer, life groups, we have wellness groups now. We have one for grief. We have one for broken marriages. We have others that we're going to be building for all kinds of things. We have Dave Ramsey Financial University. We have, we have wealth. We have a plan to help you financially get well. See, that's what we're supposed to be as a church. We're supposed to be the healing house. We're the pool of Bethesda where you can come and cross the bridge from where you are now to where God created you to be. You say, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Scripture tells us that. What is Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says? I can do everything. Read it with me. Through him. 
who gives me strength. Yes, you can. You don't have to lie around that pool anymore. You don't have to deal with that dysfunction anymore. You don't have to be a victim of that infirmity anymore. You can do all things through Christ. Tap into his power. Tap into his word. Tap into the power of prayer. Tap into the power of Christian fellowship. Tap into the power of Christian counseling. Tap into the power of of life groups and wellness groups. There's so many things that are there that you can get up and get moving and do something to change your circumstances. Do you want to get well. Let's bow our heads. Jesus is still asking the same question 2,000 years later. He's asking me the question right now. He's asking you the question right now. Is there an area in your life that you need healing in? Anger, bitterness, Depression, relational, vocational, financial. Well, it's okay because that happens to all of us. It's okay. You're you're all right. There's nothing wrong with you because that's happening. Yeah, but I'm struggling with this. It's it's okay. Yeah, but I, I was on the computer watching pornography. It's okay. God still loves you. See, he knows you're not well. And he wants, he wants you to be well. What does Galatians 5 say? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe there's someone here who needs to be made well eternally. Where are you going to die? When you die, where are you going to go? Will heaven be your home? Are you still wonder? There's no reason to wonder. See, God took care of that question in sending Jesus to die on the cross. And Scripture says, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I wonder if there's a man or a woman here. Every head's bowed. I won't embarrass you. You're not sure about where you're going to go when you die. You're not sure about your relationship with God, but you want to be. Well, no one's looking around. Just so I know whether this need is here or not, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pete, pray for me. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Yes, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Yes, you can put your hand down. Yes, you can put your hand down. Yes, you can put your hand down. Listen, you're at the pool of Bethesda right now. Those of you who raised your hand, those of you who knew you needed to. You're at the pool, and Jesus is just coming in front of you. And Jesus is looking down at you, and he said, listen, I love you. I died on the cross for you. Do you want to get well eternally? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want the promise of eternal life? If the answer is yes, here's how you get up and get moving. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. John 1.12 says, Yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Right now, you can get well eternally. Your soul can get well right now if you'll trust Jesus Christ. Say, how do I do that? You just ask. It's a gift. Receive the gift. Maybe through a prayer that goes like this. And you can use this prayer as a template if if, if you need to. But God's more interested in what's going on in your heart than what's coming out of your mouth. But maybe you would pray right now, God, I really do need your forgiveness. God, I really do want to spend eternity with you. And God, I, I do want you to heal my soul today. And so, as best as I understand what this this pastor has just said, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ today as my Savior. God, I get it. You sent Jesus to die on the cross as a sacrifice for sin because I could never live a good enough life to earn my way to heaven. So you had to do for me what I could never do for myself, provide a way back to you. And Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus, today, right here, I am trusting you as my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross, rose from the dead. And I believe because you were willing to do that, God has given you alone the the power and the authority to forgive my sin. And Jesus, I'm asking you to do that right now. Today, I believe on you alone. Today, I believe on the name of the Son of God for eternal life. Jesus, be my Savior. Scripture, not me, not this church, says... In 1 John 5, 13, these things are right to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, while our heads remain bowed, I want to talk to some believers this morning. And you're sitting around your pool of Bethesda. Whatever it is. And I won't embarrass you. But maybe you'd say, Pete, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not well in this area of my life. And this message has spoken to me. God's word has spoken to me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now. I want to get well. Pray for me that I can get well. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 go ahead. All right, I'll wait another few minutes. Anyone else? Father, Your word, and we're not surprised by that, has impacted so many people today. And this is a a word of hope. This is a word of love. This is a word of power that you've given us today. Lord, I pray for every man and woman who just raised their hand. I pray, God, that you will give them confidence right now, that they can get up. Say to them, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And Lord, give them the faith to do what that invalid man did 2,000 years ago, to believe you at your word. Stop blaming others and make up their mind. Get up and get moving. Tap into the power that you have given us all. Lord, maybe they need counseling. Maybe they need a life group. Maybe they need to get in one of our wellness groups. Maybe they need to go out to the, to the next step booth on the patio and, and just say, hey, what, what are some options that I can tap into? 
But Lord, right now, I pray for every one of them that you'll give them victory because God, you don't want them laying around the pool anymore. You want them alive. You want them well. You want them healthy. You want them on their feet again. God, let them sense that in such a real way that they can't deny it right now. God, thank you that you're a God who never gives up on us. Thank you that even though we might offer excuses while we're lying around our pool, all you're waiting for is that act of faith. And know how, man, how long we've been lying around that pool, you'll, you'll, rise us, you'll raise us up. Thank you for that, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you'll do exactly that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now listen, now, now you've got to get up and get moving. Can't stay where you're at. If you need help with that, that's what our pastoral staff is here to do to help you. Take that next step. If you need to understand what, what kind of wellness groups we have to offer, go the next steps. They'll, they'll tell you about that. We're here to help you. Now, if you're one of the men or women this morning who raised your hand for salvation and you trust that Jesus Christ is your Savior, then I want you to do something for us. In your bulletin is a connection card. You can't miss it. I want you to fill that card out in its entirety. Make sure it's legible. And on the back, it says, my decision today. There's two boxes you can check, as I recall. The first box says, I blank trust that Christ is my Savior. Would you put your first name in that blank? I, John, I, Sue, I, Alicia, whatever it is. And what we're going to do, if you'll take that card and put it in one of the offering kiosks or drop it off at our guest services booth, they won't ask you any questions. What we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. We're going to thank the Lord that he talked to you and that you responded to him. And then we want to help you now on this journey towards spiritual health. If you're here and you raised your hand, but you just weren't ready to commit, make that commitment to Christ, at any of our literature racks out in the lobby at our guest services booth and other places, there's racks that have these little blue books, a real little thin paperback book, and it's entitled, You Can Be Sure. Just pick up one of those books. Free of charge. You don't have to ask anyone, pay anything. Just pick one up and read it at home. And it'll remind you everything the scripture, everything God has revealed about eternal forgiveness and eternal life. And it'll even help you. In there, there's even a prayer that you can reach out and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you already did that, share that with us today. Take time to fill out that card. And we want to help you take your next steps. Ushers are going to come. We're going to we're going to give the Lord our love gifts right now. We're going to give him our offering. And, and I'm happy to report to you that as of this point in our year, we are above budget. Amen? Amen. Okay, now before we get a big head, we're that much over budget. And we're coming into the summer months that are challenging. And so let's re be reminded to be faithful through these months. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we're able to give you these gifts now. Lord, we give them to you because we love you. We give them to you because we believe in the ministry of this church. and We want to share in the expenses so that men, women, boys, and girls around the world can know about you. Use our gifts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.